What's going on, everybody? It's episode 47 of Your Brain On. God, 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 God. <laughs> we have uh, Chris Anderson with us. Chris um, has a quite unique uh, journey of faith, uh, growing up essentially in the Mormon church, a part of it for almost 30, 30 plus, yeah. yeah, almost 30 or more than 30 years, um, where he went on mission with the Mormon church, was a leader in the Mormon mm-hmm. church, and um, kind of goes through his own deconstruction and questioning of um, Mormon practices and rituals and ordinances and beliefs and history um, that led him to now be at our church. <laughs> Somehow he got here, uh, but there's been a lot in between that, but we dive deeper into the hurt uh, caused by that and deeper um, ideas about church hurt. So it's going to be an amazing episode. Uh, enjoy part one of uh, episode 47. Enjoy. Okay. Well, <laughs> Chris, yes. why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So just an overview who you are. Um, who I am. Uh, who are you? Yeah. I don't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure it out. Still. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. I'll tell you this. I'm 54. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had quite a journey in my life, spiritual journey, uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, places high and then very low. So yeah, I am trying to figure out who I am. Um, I'm trying to figure out, uh, to answer that question, who God created me to be. And if I think you can figure that out in life, then you have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And with a purpose, nothing will stop you. Uh, you have a yeah. purpose. So I'm trying to figure out my purpose at 54. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little yeah. late, I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> but better You're late than company. never. Better um, late than never. Some people figure it out early in life, not me. I've been kind of going different ways. So. Yeah. We'll get into we'll get into some of that. I'm sure. We'll get into yeah. some of that. Well, what but, about yeah. I'm uh, married. married? I've got a beautiful yeah. wife, uh, Jenny. Just love her. Uh, she's changed my life. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, amazing woman. Yeah, I love her very much. Um, she she's always said I'm God's gift to you uh, for uh, as a reconciliation, and I I didn't always believe her because I didn't always believe in God, but. Um, yeah, she is a gift from God. Mm. Wow. That's a good sign. Whenever you tell someone about your wife, you start getting choked up. (laughs) 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 Something's going right right there. (laughs) Well, yeah, it is going right. I think I, I believe it is. So yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. She's, she's just an incredible lady. She's, um, she married a non-believer and somebody with faith. And I, it's not that I tried to tear down her faith, but boy, I challenged uh, her mm-hmm. faith mm-hmm. and um, she held very strong. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I, I have a lot of respect for her. Yeah, yeah. So, so kids? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, together we have lots of kids. We're like the Brady Bunch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we mesh two families. Um, I have uh, three do- uh, three children, my own, three kids. Uh, they're beautiful children, and um, uh, I. They're uh, doing various things. One one's a teacher right now in Colorado. The other's in graduate school at Georgia Tech. And my daughter is uh, just a beautiful daughter of mine is 
20, uh oh, sorry. <laughs> she was born in 2002, so she's okay. 20, <laughs> maybe 21, it passed her birthday. So she's 21, and she works at a rehabilitation hmm. center for uh, people who have fallen victim to drug and alcohol. So, wow, really? Yeah. And so it's like uh, they all sound to be doing solid work. They're Teacher, all doing different Georgia things. Tech. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're all they're all like trying to figure out their way in life. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So three of your own. She has. She brought and, her and own she has. Uh, Jenny has um, two children from her previous marriage mm-hmm. who still live at home with us. So. I'm doing my best to kick them out. Sorry, kids. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how old are they? No, they're uh, 21, and uh, the other one's a senior in high school. Goes okay. to the local high school here, so they're okay. they're great kids, actually. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm always on them to clean their room, but they are good kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you What are you passionate about? Um, I know that you said you're trying to find your purpose, but what I mean is, there any hobbies you have? Things uh, that you light up your heart? Gosh, um, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't go fishing anymore, or play golf anymore. But um, what am I passionate about? Is uh, honestly just. Um, I, I, I would have, I think people would have described me, you guys don't, won't view it this way, but I was probably viewed as a big introvert, mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, I don't think that was me actually, I, because I'm really discovering, uh, people are enjoyable to be mm. around and, um, I enjoy people from different backgrounds and different, mm. um, diversity, uh, and so my passion right now in life is, um, uh, it's going to sound corny, but kind of helping people yeah. uh, figure yeah. out, figure out things. And mm. uh, I like to read. I like to challenge. <laughs> uh-huh. So like to think, uh, yeah, I like to just, I don't know. I stripping away, uh, that you think, you know, something, um, and learning you, you had it wrong. Mm-hmm. is a great lesson because it allows you freedom to explore everything mm-hmm. without having a bias. Right. Yeah. And so for me right now at this point in my life, uh, I'm trying to figure out God and, mm-hmm. and spirituality. And so that's occupying my time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, over the course of the last, <laughs> what, I don't know, nine, ten 10 months that getting to know you, uh, you have an insane curiosity. And I think that is a gift that you have mm. the, your ability to be curious <laughs> and yeah. to ask questions, meaningful questions, mm-hmm. uh, questions that get to the heart of things that identify, uh, the purpose of something you ask really, really good questions. And, and I've seen your passion come out in, in that trying to discover things and understand something. The the reason why that is because I spent so much time not questioning and Mm. then you find out you're so wrong on something. Wow. Mm. And it like shakes the very foundation you're standing on and you start questioning yourself. Like I used to say, I knew a lot of things like I profess testimonies. I know this, I know that, Mm. or no, you were a little bit wrong. So when you profess, you know something and you find out, well, (laughs) you were wrong that really shakes your foundation. So 
Well, I just want to let you know that every, I, I haven't had many one-on-one conversations with you. So this is a privilege no. for me to finally get to mm. sit with the man that Daryl brags about mm. all the time. Mm. Cause pretty much every, we meet every Saturday and we podcast, uh, pretty much every Saturday and uh, most Saturdays... I better start listening to the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we don't talk about you on the podcast. Well, we don't talk but to I you. Have mentioned no, you. but I better yeah. start listening if I'm on it. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no, I'm saying in our conversations, like at a coffee shop, yeah. he'll say, I got to meet with Chris, and I'm so grateful for that guy, uh, you know? And and wow. so um, there's there's something about you, obviously, and we're going to get into your story, that, that makes... Um, your faith incredibly authentic, you know, mm. and where you're at right now, mm. even, you know, in the midst of, well, I'm trying to figure out who you are and right. all this stuff, especially with what you've gone through, um, um, it, it makes it super authentic. Mm. And I think not just Daryl sees it, but mm. pretty much every guy I've talked to in the men's group is like Chris Anderson. Mm. He, yeah. Mr. Anderson. Uh, <laughs> when you spend so much time being unauthentic, Mm-hmm. And then when you look in the mirror and you realize you're unauthentic, mm-hmm. that's what's driven me to be authentic. I it can't live that way, yeah. right? You wow. can't live a life of being, and we do, we all do it. Mm-hmm. But I, I had to make a decision, like, just be who you are mm-hmm. and let the chips fall where they go, right? So yeah. just be authentic. And that's, yeah. it was a struggle for me. I spent a long many years not being authentic yeah and so yeah 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 it's it's uh, being authentic so. yeah. <laughs> you want to jump in yeah so when i met you chris it was uh the weekend is during a church service the weekend after christmas services i think i think so it was a first like kind of standard sunday church service that we were having after we had had our christmas services sometime early january start of january and you walked up and you had a friend with you and I was out by the coffee stuff and uh, we were getting coffee and I just like said hi, I started talking to you and we introduced ourselves and you had, you had mentioned that, you know, you were newer to church stuff, like coming back to church, you haven't been for a while because I, th- I probably asked you, hey, how long have you been coming to Centerpoint, you know? And you were like, I, this is my first time since Christmas. I just came last Christmas and I decided to come back. And I was like, oh, awesome. What's glad you're here. And then you're like, so I have some questions about, <laughs> <laughs> about what you guys do and believe around here. Wow. I, I, I don't you, even remember you that. You jumped so right into it. The first thing you asked me was, do you speak in tongues? <laughs> <laughs> do you believe in speaking in tongues? And I was like, yeah. I was like, do you speak in tongues? I was like, yeah, I speak in tongues sometimes. And you're you like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I've got question. some questions for you. Wow. <laughs> you're like, maybe not right now, but maybe we can talk later. And uh, yeah, so right away, I knew that you were an inquisitive person mm. and that you were you were on some kind of journey of discovery. And and, and uh, I use the word audit because you used to be an auditor. Or you yes, to, I, right? I was an auditor. You were an auditor. And I worked for uh, uh, some of the, well, two of the largest, uh, I, don't, I won't say their names, but they talk about the big five. I was with two of them. And we did mm. uh, financial audits looking for fraud. So... Yes, uh, I would design, you know, uh, procedures to to find out if this company is uh, if their financials are fraudulent, and so that's actually played a role in my faith journey. Yeah. Oh yes, because, absolutely. Yeah, and that's what I was about to say. Whenever we started to meet up, and get coffee, 
And then I found out you had previously been an auditor and that was part of your, your job was to find fraud yeah. <laughs> and to ask questions and yeah. to dig in and to see what's really going on. And, mm. and uh, that made so much sense because it seemed like that, uh, that skill that you had developed, you were now taking to faith and to religion and to beliefs. And you were trying to figure out, well, what's real, what's not real, what's true, what's fraudulent, what is worth trusting in, what's not worth trusting in, what is the thing that matters at the end of the day? And, and you had all these right. <laughs> good, very, very good questions mm-hmm. to ask. Um, but before then, and and now today, you're we're. I mean, we've been having coffees and getting conver- having conversation over this this whole year. I but, drink a lot of coffee, and it's, yeah. <laughs> but they've been so. Coffee it's shops. been awesome, <laughs> and to be able to see kind of yeah. the journey that you've been on, even of of processing and the questions that you ask and the answers that you find on your own and through community and. But, but we want to jump into kind of all the stuff that happened before what you had alluded to already of what happened, what was your church experience like before I met you? And what was that journey like way back when? And when did it mm. start? And what happened? Because we're talking about church hurt in this yeah. podcast. And uh, I've had the, <clears throat> the privilege of hearing a lot of your story. And... Um, and I think it, it's something that a lot of people can probably relate to in different ways. And mm. I, so we'd love to jump into your story. Tell us about your church experience in general. Kind of give a, uh, a bird's eye view first, and then we'll jump in. <laughs> which, which one? <laughs> <laughs> which church? Uh, boy, I've visited a lot of churches over the years. Um, so uh, maybe we start at the beginning, maybe. Yeah, yeah let's yeah. do it. We can jump into the um, beginning. My, probably my first church experience was at the Catholic Church. My family was born Catholic, or I was born Catholic in a, in a strong, I would say, strong Catholic family. We weren't this, you know, CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. We went all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my first communion, age eight. Uh, we would all—I've got— uh, several brothers were all very close in age. We all went over to the catechism, I think they call it, on Wednesdays where you do your studying. And my grandparents were Catholic, and my mom and dad were Catholic. They got divorced mm-hmm. when I was uh, two. And we lived with our mom and my, bro- my five brothers, or four brothers. There's five of us. And we were Catholic. And um, that ended when I was young. But uh, we converted to Mormonism. Mm. And I guess my first church hurt, if if that's what you call it, is when we left Catholicism. Like mm. we got completely abandoned from, you know, the the, the Catholic Church, our family. That that nobody wanted to talk to us anymore as soon as we left the Catholic Church. And they, wow. that was our close family. We had cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents, and it was like all of a sudden they're all gone. Like wow. nobody would talk to us. So. And that was what, when you were how old? I was nine. And then all of a sudden, everyone just stopped. And you just like, yeah. In fact, uh, I'll give you a little story. Uh, I, I was hadn't seen my grandpa. I mean, we saw him all the time. He was this great fisherman. And just and all of a sudden, we convert to Mormonism. And of course, a nine year old doesn't understand right. family dynamics very mm-hmm. well. So I'm sure there was a lot of discussion at the parental level <laughs> yeah. that I wasn't part of, but. Uh, I remember several years later, I hadn't seen my grandpa in many, many years, and I'm at the grocery store one day, and I think I was like 16 or 17, 
And I, wow. could re- I recognized his car. And I went up to him. Grandpa. Oh, oh. And he, he got my name wrong. <laughs> wow. He, he, oh, oh, Steve. I'm like, no, this is oh, Chris. Man. And so I invited him over to our house. And, and he came, actually, he, he and my grandma. And, uh, but um, we, we, we really didn't reestablish much of a relationship. Uh, with our grandparents and it's because we converted to Mormonism and you know there's teachings in the Catholic Church about if you're Catholic and you leave and you know so mm. there's church hurt there because our whole family structure got torn apart right and yeah. uh, a mom a single mom with five boys needs that needed that structure yeah and so that's what Mormonism mm. provided um, our, a neighbor, uh, invited us to the Mormon church, and I think they felt sorry for my mom. She worked, and we were like the neighborhood gang <laughs> going <laughs> oh, around. Just, all the boys. <laughs> yeah, there's five There's five of us, and we're all one year apart, so they were busy Catholics, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we were we were like uh, just the, the, the clan that would go around destroying the neighbors, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, we could spend hours talking about how destructive we were to our, our neighbors next door. Like literally, <laughs> you know, they had this big white wall that was a two-story house they had, and we would throw berries at the very top of it or or shoot them with slingshots the top and uh all of a sudden you know well who did that well not it wasn't us right (laughs) we're the ones next door with the berry tree in our yard (laughs) but yeah so we needed some structure and i think my uh the the mormon church did uh help out financially and so that was an easy mm. conversion and um there was five five future missionaries there so Wow. We yeah. converted, and um, my mom and all of us converted to Mormonism. Mm. And you think that's because of the financial help that they gave you? And um, Have you had any conversations about that, re- like about why you guys uh, No, but yeah, I can tell you, it, we, you know, I'm a single mom um, who didn't have a college education. Uh, she did what she could to put the food on the table, right? Mm-hmm. And so the Mormon church did... It, it was a positive thing that they did. It attracted my mom and and my. I think my brother was fourteen. So what fourteen year old really? All right. What? Where do you fall in the uh... fourth out of fifth? Okay. Yeah, I'm the fourth. Yeah. So uh, we convert to Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And then. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And well, there's a whole lot that happened. Well, there's a whole lot that happened. We were faithful Mormons. I mean, I've got, we all went on missions. We all got married in the Mormon temple. We, you know, we'd walk into church, five boys. And, you know, we, the, the show that was put on was, was real. We were like, you know, oh yeah, five, five missionaries and, we all got married in the temple, and so starting and, out, were you, oh sorry, go ahead. And the temple is separate from the actual church where you guys meet for a church on the weekends. Yeah, they have a, the local chapels, which you see dotted on the corners of, of a lot of uh, street corners now. But the the temples are are separate and are um, uh, uh, more. It's where you do the important ordinances <laughs> the important stuff <laughs> happens at the temple me. but the common yeah. the common uh parishioner you don't have to be a member you can go into any church on the on a corner a mormon church on sunday but you can't go to the temple unless you are deemed to be a worthy 
member of the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. yeah, you have to be worthy to yeah. go to the temple. Yeah. Mm. Who's worthy? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> he just drops a tagline. Who is worthy? Who is, Who really, is worthy? Okay, worthy. so when you when you first started out in Mormonism, were you passionate about it? Were you did you I care? I was nine. Uh, yeah. In fact, I uh, remember them asking my bap- in, for my baptismal interview, why do you want to be Mormon? You know what I said? Hmm. <laughs> because everybody wears a suit. <laughs> 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 That's a nine-year-old, right? Yeah. right? I mean, I didn't know any different. So. And that was enough? Well, were they like, okay, <laughs> you know, I, I, honestly, I converted because my family was converting. I didn't really right. different. It wasn't, yeah, a, it, yeah. it was a, the, yes, it's supposed to be a personal choice, I assume, mm-hmm. but yeah, but I essentially feel like I grew up Mormon. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, uh, if you grew up in a faith, do you ever really choose it? At some point you may, uh, depends on the faith. But for me, Mormonism was, I don't say I was really Catholic, even though I was born into Catholic and I did my communion my spiritual al- spirituality started with mormonism i would say right. yeah yeah and so, then by the time you went on a mission where was it more were you more involved in the church did you realize why you were doing it or was it just kind of by rote you were kind of um yeah I, I i went on a mission to honduras for two years when i was 19 uh and uh, you go, and you don't come back for the two years. It's not like you have phone calls or weekly phone It's changed now, but back when I did it, which was in 87, uh, you, uh, you go for two years. You, we got to call home on Christmas and I think Easter, your family. But other than that, I'm hiking the mountains of Honduras trying to convert people. So wow. I did that for two years. I came back. I uh, got married within, I think, six months of getting back because I was told to, really. <laughs> we can get into that. But. So I get, I get married, um, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm start, I start out the, the Mormon life. You know, you see them on TV, the commercials, right, the happy Mormon family. That mm-hmm. was me, right? I'm getting married. A couple years later, start having kids, had three children, and uh, I— did the Mormon life. So I mm-hmm. went to church every week. Uh, I became an elder. I went to the temple uh, more times than I, uh, I can remember um, and uh, was living a worthy Mormon life. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so there was a, I mean, yeah, that you were there for how long? Uh, I probably officially left when I was, um, let's see. Wow, I can't even remember. I'm getting old. Uh, I've let's see. It was probably 38. Hmm. In my late 30s, I left. Right. So I, I don't remember exactly, but I left in my late eight, right. late 30s. You left in your late 30s, and you were nine when you started. Yeah. So almost 30 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So most of my adult life. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so you were part of the Mormon Church. We can jump back into those, but then after at you know late thirties, you decided to leave. Yeah, and that was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a big deal. Yeah, and that must have been that a big was, deal. That was pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what what made me leave is your question. Yes. Yeah, so now <laughs> you didn't ask maybe it, but let's I'm going to jump ask into one. yeah. So what what were some of your things that happened that caused you? Well, to, I, to I actually, uh, I, my son was getting ready to be baptized. So he's eight. You get baptized at eight. 
Uh, okay. Every want. kid does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the age, they call it the age of accountability. That's when you know right from wrong. So they bat- they don't baptize before eight. So mm-hmm. I-, I was getting ready to baptize them because that's what dads do when you're worthy. And um, so I was a worthy dad and um, my son was getting ready to be baptized. And I remember I was, uh, I walked through the living room and I saw on TV um, a guy being interviewed named John Krakauer. And he wrote, uh, or he did a documentary on uh, climbing Mount Everest. Mm. And he was doing a documentary on um, these two brothers called the Lafferty brothers. And actually uh, now there's a Netflix uh you can go to Netflix like right now and they have their story on Netflix. So it was really amazing that I actually just saw it the other day. But back then he was being uh, interviewed and he uh, he was saying these things I'd never heard about Mormonism. I was like, what? And hmm. I was just walking through the room and I, you know, oh, they're talking about Mormons. Of course, I, I stop and listen. The TV was just on? And- uh, <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, it was on. I think my wife was watching. Okay. Before. I can't remember that part, but I was, I remember it caught my attention or I actually was just on and I walked through the room uh, mm-hmm. that I do remember that because I stopped and I listened and I listened and I was like, whoa, these are things I've never heard before. Hmm. And his whole, he was being interviewed because he was doing a documentary on these two brothers and the whole documentary was going to be on why did they like slit the throat of a family member in the name of God? And I was like, Ooh. That seems interesting. And he was talking about how in his interview that his story is not about these two brothers. It was about this history and culture of the faith I was in. Hmm. And that was like, oh, no, no, that's just anti-Mormon literature. And I'm not supposed to even read this stuff or probably be listening. I'm going to have to go confess to my bishop. You know, I'm, I'm listening to this show. But I decided to order his book. (laughs) (laughs) i shouldn't be watching this i have to confess but i'm gonna get the book (laughs) the rest is history (laughs) no but um that is so here was the problem Uh, i was hearing things for the first time i'm like i've grown up in this church these are lies this Mm. guy why is he lying about the church that i've grown i've never heard this stuff And um, it was scary. The internet was just like coming out back then. Like, uh, you know, the internet was in, this is uh, the time the internet was going. So I did a little looking on the internet. I'm like, oh, this, this isn't sitting very well with me. Mm-hmm. Some of the things this guy's saying. And I actually thought, well, he's just another anti-Mormon, you know. But the problem was he had nothing to do with the Mormon church ever, like really, right. when I found out and I studied a little bit about who he was. And I found out, well, he did this documentary about climbing Mount Everest. And I like the outdoors, so that kind of appealed to me to, to read his book. But I started to read his book, and I started having uh, some difficulty with the material in it. And so I was like, hmm. And, I, and it was like if one-tenth of what he writes or one-twentieth of what he writes, if there's any validity in any of it, I have a problem. Hmm. And um, so I began a journey. I had just gotten laid off work, and Hmm. uh, I had a bunch of free time. I was fortunate to get a a severance for a while. And so I had all this free time on my hand. I'm like, 
I'm going to dive into what, see what this guy writes and see if it's, there's any truth to any of it. And the more I dug in, hmm, the more I had a problem. Hmm. And the pressure was mounting because I had an eight-year-old son I needed to baptize. And I started like having these issues with what I was reading. And the biggest issue was it was always hidden from me. Like, hmm. how could I be a member of this church? How could I uh, go on a mission? And how could I um, be a, a faithful member? Like, I went to the temple all the time. And I was like, how, this doesn't sit well. What am I going to do? And I, the more I read and the more I studied, uh, I started reading things outside the church, which really isn't allowed. Like, you, to go to the Mormon temple, you answer interview. You have an interview with your bishop before you go, and he has to pronounce you worthy, basically. Imagine uh-huh. that, yeah. And that was that every the, time you went to the temple? Well, or? they do it once a year, and you get a little... You get this little credit card size uh, piece of paper that basically pronounces you worthy. Wow, that's why is I that say the that was le- that's what, is that card. the language they use? Like you're pronounced worthy. Uh, well, that's what it feels like. Well, that's what it that's is. What it that's is. what it's for. He's a judge in Israel, allegedly, and and mm-hmm. you you go and have a one on one interview, and he asks all kinds of very personal questions, like <laughs> and probably probably not for the podcast even, but. One of them is, do you read any outside materials that are contrary to the church? I'm summarizing. I don't know the exact wording, but they have a list of the, there's 12 questions or 15, I'm not sure. But one of them was this. And I was like, I'm I'm going to even have to lie to the bishop now. I'm reading materials outside the church. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. So how am I going to baptize my son? And so Mm. uh, I became uh, just this you say, you know, I, I was an auditor. So I'm like, you know, I apply my skills that I've learned to my daily professional life. But when it came to God, I like stuck them in a closet somewhere. And I'm like, I'm pulling those out. And so I did. And I started investigating and I started reading and learning about the history. And of course I read materials that weren't published by the Mormon church. So that became a problem. And Mm -hmm. At first, I was looking, you know, to discredit it because my whole social network, my whole way of life was Mormonism. Right. And so I didn't want I didn't want to go down this path. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to to have it be untrue. I didn't want these things I was learning to be uh, to be uh, valid. So I was like, I'm going to discredit this guy, but I was open enough to read and, and I started, um, uh, learning and reading different books that I wasn't allowed to read, but they seemed like they were coming from people who had either didn't have a, an issue to create like John Krakauer. I don't think he set out to discredit Mormonism. That wasn't his goal. He found it fascinating and he did his documentary. Mm. And so when I'd read that stuff, I was like, whoa. And then my world comes crashing down because I start asking questions. I'd go to church and I'd sit in the back and I'd raise my hand and I'd ask a few questions and you know, people give you a couple of weird looks. I'm like, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> He's questioning. Not right. allowed. Which you're not allowed to do. Yeah, you're allowed to ask questions, but if you start asking questions that show a weakness in your faith, Hmm. 
you know, people are going to start questioning you like, no, you got to be strong in your faith. Right. Mm. And it's part of the theology uh, for Mormonism. Mormons teach that we all can become God and we will we will become gods if we're worthy enough. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I use that word worthy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So if you remain faithful and you're worthy um, based on your works, you will become a God yourself. And so to Mm. me, I, I, you know, questioning became a big deal. So I'd sit in church and I'd go to Sunday school and my, the other things I'd start raising my hand in the back. And the more I raised and the more I asked, the more I realized "Mm, I'm not getting good answers here. Hmm. And that became a problem because then it made me dig in more. And right. pretty soon it was, okay, you better go talk to the bishop, right? And, you know, people are telling me, oh, you asked too many questions. Why don't you take them to the bishop? And so I did. And I sat down with my bishop. I said, bishop, you know, I, I've been reading things I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Well, Why? Why can't we read something? Right. I mean, truth stands on its own, does it not? Right. So I, I brought my concerns to the head guy, right? He's my bishop. That's who you're supposed to take it to. So I, I can respect the idea that I was asked to go to the bishop. But he didn't have any responses, and that was a problem for me. So then it was like, oh, now where do I go? Right, yeah. Well, you go to the next person, the next higher-up authority. That's your stake president, and he... He's the one all the bishops report to, right, for your local bishops. There's five or six of them. They'll report into a stake president, they call it. And stake president is just over an area. It's a wider area. So mm-hmm. it like might have, yeah, something. it's like you might have five or six chapels, uh, you know, in an, in an area, and he would be over all of those. They call it a stake. Okay. And so I would, uh, you know, and I started realizing no matter who I asked, I'm not getting answers. And these are things that are basic answers. It's not doctrinal answers. It was about the history. So, for mm-hmm. example, you know, you're told um, how the Book of Mormon comes about, and Joseph Smith, they call it the first vision, and he allegedly sees God in Jesus. Well, that's a great story. I mean, that's, I mean, I taught that to people in Honduras that Joseph Smith saw Jesus and God the Father. And, In Mormonism, they're separate beings, okay? Mm -hmm. So two beings came and appeared to Joseph Smith. The problem was that story evolved over time. If you go look, there's multiple versions written by Mm -hmm. Joseph Smith that they don't talk about the multiple versions. They Mm -hmm. only show the one that promotes the doctrine as it is today. So if you go back and look at the, the first vision and you look at what's written, you're like, Hmm. There's multiple versions. There's like seven or eight or somebody told me the other day there's nine. I, I don't remember how many there are, but it didn't sit well with me that this story seemed to have evolved. So I'm like, Ooh, that's a question. Right. So right. let me go ask, Hey, can we reconcile this? Mm-hmm. Cause you were, you were actually trying to reconcile. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I, hey, I didn't want to, I didn't want to lose. Right. You know, I, I more, the Mormon faith, um, if you leave, uh, there's no written rule, but you're gonna be you're gonna be cast out, and you're gonna lose everything. In fact, when I was questioning so much, one of the things the bishop told me is, if you continue down this path, you'll lose everything, including your family. Well, that's scary, Jeez. right? Nobody wants to lose their family, mm-hmm. and 
Um, all my brothers were Mormon, uh, my friends, my network, everything surrounded my, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the faith. So me questioning this became, um, an internal struggle I did not want to do. It's like very difficult to start questioning and realizing, well, in fact, there is a teaching. If you leave and you've, you've been through the temple or you're, um, I'm, I'm going to be cast out with Satan's, you know, in outer darkness, they call it. That's their version of hell, outer darkness. And so that's wow. where I was headed if I, like, continued down this path. And the first thing is you lose your family and your friends, and I did. And that was threatened. <laughs> you know, you call it a threat. Yeah, I guess in a way <laughs> yeah. it is. But yeah. for that's me, a, it was like just... Even if it's a spiritual threat, like God's going to take this from yeah. you or something like that. Oh, no, I was going to be cast out. Mm-hmm. And it, it just coming on this podcast, um, it has consequences <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, somebody passed me a note once in church when I asked a question. They said I was a son of Satan. Right. Wow. So, in yeah. in the church service, they passed you a note saying you are a son of Satan. It is my it was my last church service. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is a story in of itself. I um, Mormons uh, once a month have what's called a fast and testimony meeting, and this is just an open mic. You get to get up, and you're supposed to share like what you know to be true. Mm. And um, you probably you can fit probably eight or ten people. It's an hour fifteen minute meeting, but you know, you sing your song, have their opening prayer, and then they turn it uh, over to the members, and you can just get up. I mean, there's no, I think they still do that. I, I haven't been in a while, but. <laughs> Maybe uh, you changed their policy. <laughs> so I, this is a time when I was like so, like, I'd been studying for almost a year, and I had all these questions, and nobody could answer, and I stand up in front of the congregation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that didn't last very long. I was about, you know, I'm, I'm telling them what I'm learning. Like, this is what I'm learning. Like, I'm reading books, and I'm like, has anyone looked at this in this, in this congregation? Can somebody help me reconcile what I'm learning? Because this is new information to me, and it's stuff that's not found in your Sunday school lessons. Yeah. And so I felt the church had hid it and were, was covering up their past. Mm. And that is always a red flag to an auditor or something. Mm. You know. Can mm-hmm. you can you talk about some of the things that you were learning? Um yeah, it's, uh well, the first vision has multiple uh right. um the the they have additional scriptures other than the Bible, right? You have the Book of Mormon, they call it the Pearl of Great Price, which is another set of scriptures which is amazing. They have the writings of Abraham and Moses, like their actual scriptures, they claim were written by them. So this was one of the big things, uh, how it came into the hands of Joseph Smith. And I'm not going to do it justice, uh, trying to describe it because I'm going to do it a really short version, but Joseph Smith, uh, 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 a Egyptian mummy exhibit comes through his area in the 1800s. I don't know what year it was, 1830-something probably, but 18, early 1830s or 40s. And back then we couldn't uh, translate Egyptian or it wasn't well known how to translate it. So Joseph Smith 
somebody uh, buys the exhibit and underneath the ex- the mummy's head that they bought there's all these scrolls like stuffed underneath and i guess they pull it out as the story goes and like oh joseph smith he he brought forth the book of mormon which was translated from a language called reformed egyptian whichever whatever that is but he can go translate these for us and so they bring them over to joseph smith as the story goes and Sure enough, he can translate them. And so they give it to him, and he says that this is nothing but the writings of Abraham and Moses themselves. And so they made it into Scripture. It's called the Pearl of Great Price. And it's and that's a, still used today. It's still used me. today. It's mm-hmm. part of their four canonical uh, scriptures. And it's the Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, and the revelations of Joseph Smith himself. So that's their canon, if you say, of mm-hmm. Scripture they use. And so this is a big deal, right? And and this is um, the writings that we read about Abraham in the Bible and Moses. So this is, like, critical. <laughs> it's, like, fundamental. Like, you know, either, either he translated and they have these writings— which would be amazing to the Christian community, or it's a fraud. It's one of the two. You can't right. you can't get around it. So, mm-hmm. well, the problem is um, the writings uh, Joseph Smith translated and um, the manuscripts uh, got lost. Okay, from eighteen hundreds. And so happily we go along and we now have the writings of Abraham and there's no way to verify it because the manuscripts are gone. Hmm. Except for they showed up in the Chicago Museum one day, 19-something, mid-half century, like 1950. I have my dates wrong, but that's not important. But they show up. And the manuscripts get sent out because we can now translate Egyptian Right. And they get sent out to <laughs> some of the most renowned scholars, okay, at big universities, you know, people much smarter than me. But it went to uh, independent to like six or seven well-renowned Egyptologists. I don't know their names. You can look it up, um, and the story's well-documented. And the problem is they all came back independent with the same translations, Pretty, I mean, and these are nothing more than funeral texts, prayers that the Egyptians would stuff in the mummies for the afterlife, which makes total sense, mm-hmm. right? Right. And boy, that was a problem for me mm. that uh, these texts have been translated by scholars and it has nothing to do, like zero to do with Abraham and Moses. It's wow. just, it, and they used to have these uh, pictures of these manuscripts on display at BYU. I went to BYU, by the way, for a, for a limited time. <laughs> I finally left. But um, while I was at BYU, you could see them. And, wow. you know, th- at the time, that was like, oh, wow, these are the actual ones. And they since don't display them, I think, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was a fraud. Uh, right. And so I was like, this is a problem for me. My face... You know, now now what do I do? I'm learning things that are like now it's questioning my the fundamentals, uh, right. the fundamentals of my faith. And that was hard because it started come crashing down. And uh, you pull out one card and the whole card, the whole house falls. And I remember one of my brothers, uh, I, I 
I call him up. I'm like, hey, bro, um, I've been studying some stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to, but I, I really got to, like, share it with you. Like, who, who am I going to go talk to and share this mm-hmm. with? Like, mm-hmm. there's nobody. If I go to my bishop, you know, I know that he doesn't have an answer. And if I talk to a non-Mormon, that they don't know anything about this. Mm-hmm. And most Mormons don't even know about right. how the own scriptures came about and the problems with them. And so, hey, bro, uh, can you look at this with me? And literally, um, I was told I had the devil in me and not to ever bring this up again or we wouldn't be brothers. Now, we're very close to this day, and he's no longer Mormon. But at the time, that's it's the mindset, yeah, right? Yeah. And so that that was hard for me. I went over to his house, and um, he, he was married to somebody. He was married into the Joseph Smith line. He himself was like a hmm. descendant. There's like a brother, great-granddaughter of Joseph Smith's brother, I think, was his wife. Um, wow. But anyway, he, you know, they, when I went over to their house and sat down, like tried to show them, you know, like, uh-uh, you get out. You're never going to talk about this again. And if you do, like, I disown you as a brother. And I was like, wow, that's Jeez. heavy. And so that's the mentality. If you leave, you lose everything. And mm-hmm. I just was questioning. And the more I questioned, the more it became more questions. And the more questions became more questions. And yeah. And you had no word never to. stopped. And you couldn't even talk to anybody about it because anytime you talk to somebody, they either told you to stop asking questions right. or you're going to be yeah. excommunicated, right? right. <laughs> Which is a one of the characteristics of a cult yeah. is to shun anybody who's outside of believing the same thing you're believing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was difficult. So uh, you know, crisis of faith. Um, you know, it's like uh, we were the perfect, perfect Mormon family. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you're internally Be- going through all, they're all these questions. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, no, I wasn't going to be baptizing my son. And when I made that decision and the reason why I'm like, I, I can't baptize my son because I'd be making a statement to him. Hmm. Yeah. Right. That, that this is truth. If I'm going to baptize my son, that's making a statement to your son that, Hey, this is the way this is right. And, mm-hmm. Because you would be grown, you'd be teaching him the faith by doing that, and so because I had some doubts, I'm like, I'm not going to baptize my son. And the, when that became known, it was just it was continuous exit. And the, finally, stood up in that church one day at the fast testimony meeting and just started talking about all the different things I was learning. And I even asked, I said, I'm happy to meet somebody, not over coffee, because, you know, Mormons don't drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Are they really not allowed to? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's Whoa. no caffeine at all, or is it? Well. Wait, so you didn't drink coffee for I'm making. You, I'm making up for it now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so my wife's like, you going to the coffee shop again? I was like, well, I'm meeting Daryl today. I mean, Raul tomorrow. I mean, this guy. So I'm, yeah. And all I do is drink coffee. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can't drink coffee. It's 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 one of the rules, mm-hmm. right? To be worthy. See, Mormons teach you um, become God yourself. And yes, they. Yes, I'm sorry to my. Dear Mormon friends, uh, they do teach that God lives on a planet named Kolob and has God wives, and we're, we will progress ourselves mm-hmm. to become a God. And it's only if you 
uh, adhere to the teachings of Mormonism and you do the ordinances in the temple? And uh, can you go and, and become a god yourself? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I was giving up a lot. I, mean, I was giving up becoming a god by leaving Mormonism. <laughs> right. And But by yeah. that, when you're in it, you... You're believing it, and oh, I it's scary it. to question it and to feel like you're going to lose all of that. that you you don't. You, nobody questions. And, That's yeah. the problem, right? Uh, because you're frowned upon if you question. And, and um, yeah, you're just, you know, yes, you're allowed to ask questions, but only to a certain point. The reality right. is only to a certain point. Right. If you start asking the deep, hard questions— mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to get booted pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And I got booted. I mean, they the bishop told me to sit down <laughs> during the fast and testimony meeting. He's like, uh, your time's up. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I just got a few more things to say. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I took oh, the rest man. of the time. And yeah, and then when I sat down, I got passed a note that I was a son of Satan. And wow. uh, yeah, so. Man, geez. talk about being hurt by people in your church even. Even yeah. and then, I mean, just for presenting stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, it goes beyond that because once I did leave, um, and, and by the way, I had to like get an attorney to leave and, and write a legal letter. Yeah. Why? Why did you need that? Well, you know, Mormons love to excommunicate people uh, who, who don't align with them. And I just felt, you know what? I don't want to be excommunicated from a church. I, this isn't a moral issue. Like this, it wasn't like I had done some moral thing wrong. This was a, I can't find the faith in the doctrines and the the history that I'm learning. Um, and so, uh, I'm like, I, I just best, I remove my name from the church records. And so I, I had, uh, an attorney back then it, they made it easier now because so many people have left, but back then I needed to get an attorney and wrote a letter to wow. the, to the church offices and said, remove my name and the name of my family. And so we did, I still have the letter today Wow! <laughs> and I have their response. And in the response, it says, guess what? You go down, you, you're now out of the church and all the blessings of the church are removed. So they wanted to scare me again, which is mm. basically I'm not going to become a God myself any longer. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Being a God, I think, would be too complicated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to be a God. No, I don't want That's a lot. That's yeah. A lot so it was hard. But I'm, I'm, I'm making light of it. But this was such a mental anguish for me mm-hmm. to go through yeah. this and to realize, like, I'm giving everything up. Like, this is everything. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the world I knew, mm-hmm. um, all my friends, family, just completely ostracized. Mm. And so uh, you're left, you know, doubting, am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Am I really like a follower of Satan because I'm right. questioning and this no longer sits well? And they had me convinced I was actually for a long time. And, right. and it's, been, it's a psychological warfare. Mm. Yeah. 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 Manipulation, some control there. But, um, you know, you have to you have to be a temple worthy temple to, mm-hmm. to become a God. And the temple in and of itself is just a, was so traumatic. I mean, we haven't even touched on. We yeah. could go on for hours. Can yeah. you talk about some of those, maybe some of the things that you've um, where you experienced those traumatic things? And 
we've been talking kind of about the the theological things or even mm-hmm. the the validity of what you're believing in and the There's life so that much you're more and... too i want to like say everything i like want to <laughs> know about the history of johnson because i know like he wasn't necessarily a very good guy who smith yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no he wasn't <laughs> well i mean i'm sure he had his positive moments but uh you know he ran for president I want to be president. Oh, I didn't know that. <clears throat> well, Mormons teach that, you know, they'll be um, the head of the church will will lead the world and their prophet mm. will. So mm. Joseph Smith wanted to become a president, which I think would fulfill some prophecy if he did or something. But, I, you know, that's that's not the important part. But, yeah, Smith, um, you know, polygamy, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, polygamy. Do Mormons believe in polygamy? It's always the question. Right. Do they really believe in poly- polygamy? Now, when I was a Mormon, I remember uh, I had I worked with this attorney, and uh, she was a non-Mormon, and she was uh, I don't even remember what faith she was, but she kept saying, "You Mormons, you 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 guys believe in polygamy," and she, and she knew I was married to one one woman, <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no, 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 we don't believe in polygamy," but I knew I was lying to her. Because I was so ashamed of mm. the teaching, I was like, "I'll mm. cover that one up, and I'll cover this teaching up." Because I, you know, they, they didn't sit so well. Yet I had to believe it. And so when I talked about being authentic, it's like that's inauthentic, right? Right. And so I've lived so inauthentic because I've always had to cover up things and polygamy is one of those so do Mormons believe in polygamy it's the big question and so what they say is well we don't practice polygamy right now but if you read the revelations of Joseph Smith it teaches you have polygamy is like an eternal doctrine and it's why they instituted it and uh, if right now it's been the need to follow polygamy is not required, but it's required for salvation. Mm. Polygamy is required for salvation. If you, if you read Doctrine and Covenants, it is. Wow. Yeah. The revelations of Joseph Smith. And how polygamy uh, came about and how it was removed is an interesting story in of itself. It was... Uh, Utah wanted to become uh, a state and they were practicing polygamy and they wouldn't allow it unless polygamy was denounced. So all of a sudden the prophet has a revelation. Oh, now <laughs> polygamy <laughs> wow. is no longer. Yeah. Whoa. Is yeah. there always a core prophet at the top? Yes. It's very organized, the Mormon church. Oh, it's the probably the most organized uh, church I've I've ever witnessed. Yeah, I think Could, it's more. And all of them do the same thing, like every Sunday. It's, it's almost it's like, like a lectionary. Or yeah, something. I mean, I, I, they may even be more organized now. At least back then, like every Sunday, you it was coordinated. So you work out of the same book, no matter which church you went to. They have their manuals, and you could go to one church, and they're going to have the same manuals as the one at the next church. And so uh, you'll be learning the same thing worldwide. It's very organized. Hmm. Yeah, it's oh. one of their one of their uh, strong points, I guess, for a church. If you like organizations, I don't like church organizations <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but um, because, but that actually is part of the way that they maintain things, maintain control. Control there is, is the word control. The, one of the other things I looked into cult behaviors <laughs> recently was um, ideological purity. Hmm. And that is, 
you have to always be believing the same things. And yes. if you're not believing all these things, then you're you're in the wrong. You're sinning. You're out. You can't be a part of this. You're so. a son of Satan. Right. Yeah. 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 Cast out powder darkness. It, it kind of makes people like um, it doesn't allow you to be human, which what you're saying. You can't really be authentic in that space because it's like. I bet you 500 more people. I don't know how many people were at that meeting, but yeah. you know, 50% of those people have had those thoughts before, but it's like, can't have that. You know what I mean? Like, or have experienced, you know, yeah. some sort of, you know, is this real or is this, you know, like that kind of aspect. I mean, yeah. maybe not. I don't know. Well, you had an experience that, that, uh, caused you to change your belief. Whenever we form beliefs, we usually we don't we're not aware of the process that's taking place or even the beliefs that we have mm-hmm. until a belief is confronted and then we have to figure out wait is what i'm believing correct or is what this new thing is is that correct one of these are wrong right yeah and not everybody has those experiences where they what they're believing is directly confronted or they're put in an experience where now they have to discern between two different options that seem to be opposing yeah but you had that and you didn't you didn't look for it it just happened it happened multiple times i mean uh, you asked aaron like well what were some of those well blacks and the priesthood i mean you guys hear about mormons are racist right and you watch the tv commercials they're very diversified now but you know uh wow that was a big deal for me um blacks in the mormon church if you were black uh, and think of the populations of people that are non-white and what's what's a black person versus somebody else. I don't know where you start drawing skin color changes, right? right. Mm-hmm. You, if you're not white, I, that doesn't mean you're black. But in the Mormon church, blacks were not allowed to hold the priesthood. Well, wow. okay, that might not be a big deal to somebody. But guess what? You need priesthood to be saved and and be with God. So oh. by not having the priesthood, they can't go through the temple. And if you can't go through the temple, you can't do your ordinances that are necessary for salvation. And so by default, just simple logic, you know, you put on the otter hat. Oh, oh, we have a problem here. How do they get to the how do they get oh, well, that God'll take care of that. But the reality is blacks were not allowed to have the priesthood till like 1978, I think it was. And I think there was a controversy That's over... It's very recent. Yeah, yeah, very recent. But it very was recent. after the, the civil rights movement. And right. what ended up happening is, you know, God doesn't change, right? And so if blacks can't have the priesthood, then all of a sudden in 1978, when I think it was San Jose State would not play BYU in football... <laughs> and all of a sudden there's this big controversy about um, blacks and Mormonism. And then a new prophecy comes out by the, by the prophet or a new revelation, mm. excuse me. And this is by like the, the head person yeah. of the church, of yeah. the Mormon church. Yeah. yeah. So a new revelation comes out and all of a sudden blacks can now have the priesthood and I guess BYU can now play San Jose State, right? <laughs> so it to me it was like, well, wait a minute. Revelations are coming for a convenience, mm. and and if this is truly a teaching from God, well, why is it changing? And it's a teaching that actually never sat well with me. So when I did my research, of course, you always focus on the areas that don't sit well, right? right. Well, this was one of those. I. 
you know, I talk about uh, that attorney who asked me about polygamy. She also asked me about blacks and I just something I, you know, wouldn't answer her truthfully because I was right. so ashamed of my own church's teaching on it. And it didn't sit well with me, but it, you know, this is, they, they, these are the non Sunday school lessons, right? right. That blacks right. were in the preexistence. They, they, they couldn't, this is unofficial, but they couldn't, um, they couldn't, this is how it was explained to me, by the way, they couldn't decide if they were going to follow Jesus or Satan. And so God marked their skin as a reminder and they were born through the lineage of Cain. That's, that's like, wow. Yeah. Wow. I mm-hmm. mean, seriously? Yeah. Um, it, so it's like a curse almost for being on the fence. That's exactly or, what it was. Wow. <laughs> and then, wow. then you're like, well, maybe I misunderstand that. Right. Mm. Well, let's talk about the indigenous people of North America, that the Book of Mormon allegedly is their history. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, well, as the story goes, this family came over from from Israel, uh, like 600, it was before Jesus. They populate the North and South America, and the families. I guess kind of Caucasian, I don't know, but, but they were white and delights them, I think is how it, it reads. And then they, they have this big war. I'm really summarizing. It says they were white yeah. and delights them. Well, we'll get to this. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't say that anymore, but it used to, if you go to the original manuscripts of, wow. of the Book of Mormon, it describes this war that took place and that God basically turn their skin from white to dark to remind them of their iniquity. Wow. And that's, I don't know if that came with like a snap of the finger, <laughs> but how, how, how all of a sudden do you turn their, their skin from white to dark? And that's in the book of Mormon. Now it's, it, it, my understanding is in the original manuscript, it says white, it described them. They were white and delightsome at one point, And then God turns their skin dark. Wow. As, as, like you say, it's it's a punishment or a reminder, yeah. which which if we study any history, if we actually study the history, we we know that that is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, you know, there there wasn't yeah. a white and a dark skinned group of people. That's just made up, right? So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so these things didn't sit well with me, and and um, you know, yeah. Son yeah. of, I'm a son of Satan now Yeah, for, for rejecting these things. And the list goes on. I mean, we could spend hours. Yeah. I mean, they were just scratching. The, there's, there's teaching after teaching that's disturbing. And right. I say disturbing because these are really fundamental disturbing teachings that right. actually influence the way you view people. Mm-hmm. And that's my problem with religion in general. Mm-hmm. It teaches us... Um, by default, what we subscribe to in our doctrines make a difference. We just think it's some small theology, but actually it changes your mindset. Right. And it can, in my case, I always battled, right? I, I mean, I had black friends. Right. How, how can they be bad people, like, you know, cursed somehow? Mm, that doesn't sit well. Or, you know, polygamy, how, that doesn't sit well. And so these things don't sit well, but guess what? You just ignore it. Like, how could I go on a mission then? Because I just, you just ignore them. Mm. 
right? So, yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but the temple's, uh, uh, is extraordinary itself. Uh, <clears throat> let me uh, share with you what it's like, at least back in 1987, what it would have been like for a female to get married in the Mormon temple. Like, this is... This is I'm like, nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really nervous. Are you? <laughs> I'm the one who should be sweating and your hands I, I can like, tell you you're like, your hands. Man. At one point in, in Chris's life he took oaths that he would never share anything that happens and it's like well, and we'll, I think we'll, we'll get, get to talk that. To that. We'll get to that. We've I love before, I love so breaking oaths that. with you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love watching you break oaths. We're gonna break we're gonna break an oath today, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, you know, no wonder why my first ma- my first marriage failed. Okay, literally. Here, here's the wedding ceremony for. M- if I put myself in in my first wife's uh, uh, mindset, so it's your it's the the most best. You know, it's you've been looking forward for your whole life to get married, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think she was twenty. <laughs> I was twenty one. <clears throat> There's a reason you get married. Uh, young as Mormons, but we'll, we'll get to that maybe later. But this is your wedding day. Now you you've sent out all your invitations, right? You do that six or eight months ahead of time. Uh, you you invite your closest family and friends, and and of course, if you're gonna go to watch the actual ceremony, you have to be Mormon with your little temple uh, card that declares your worthiness, right? So <clears throat> think of the. This is your wedding day, and you're showing up to the temple. You've waited your whole life for this. And this is, going to the temple is a big deal in Mormonism. This is like the culmination that you've kind of arrived for salvation. You know, you do your temple ordinances, and you're, it's like you're, you're on the right path. You're headed to the celestial kingdom, and, you know, you can become a god yourself. So uh, you show up, and you... I mean, the first thing they do is they have you stripped down and put on this poncho type thing. And, you know, you don't have like underwear underneath. It's like weird. I was like, is this for the wedding ceremony? Oh, yeah. Because you have to take out your endowments. If you're female, if you haven't gone through the temple, you would do it your first day. The first time you go, it's called washing and anointing. Mm -hmm. Now they've changed it because they got too many complaints but back in the day you just wore a poncho this is what i did and so you go into a, a dressing room and you you change and, and have this poncho shield over and you're you're naked underneath and as a female i mean men men are a little different you know but a female to you know to have some somebody like touch you with oil on parts of your body that are underneath the poncho that that would be like weird for me, especially yeah. as a female. And now yeah. this is your wedding day. Yes. If, if this is the first time you're going through and guess oh, what? Okay. You don't know this is what's going to happen because nobody tells you there's no preparation. Mm. So you show mm. up and you really don't know what, and it's, it's, they say it's sacred, but it's secret. Like they won't tell you ahead of time because you can't talk about the temple outside the temple. Because, well, we'll get to that in a minute. But Hmm. um, so imagine that. And so you get through that traumatic thing. And, you know, it's not like they're having sex or anything. That's not what it is. But they're pronouncing eternal blessings on you. And they'll touch you, like on your forehead with oil. 
they'll go underneath the poncho and they touch in between your thighs. I mean, they're not molesting you, but it's just an uncomfortable thing. And they touch Mm -hmm. you in various parts of your body and they're pronouncing blessings and they'll touch your feet and your knee, you know, your knees. And, um, so uh, underneath, I don't know where they touch on the women to be honest, but uh, I remember my wife saying it was uncomfortable at the time. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it was uncomfortable. But you get through that little ceremony, that's probably 20 or 30 minutes. And then they had 20 or 30 minutes uh, from start to finish. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot of waiting. <laughs> okay. But anyway, you go by the time you get to the temple, it's 30 minutes in. Like you've shown your little card to the guy at the front, the gatekeeper. Yeah, I got to present that card that you're worthy. It's like Costco. And if you yeah. don't have the card, you can't get in. <laughs> no, the you can't get in. Like, so. Um, you go and you do the washing and anointing. The actual washing and anointing is maybe 15 minutes. Okay. All right. But then you go into this big room and it's in my case, I remember my wedding day. It was, you know, I'd already been through. Okay. But at the time my wife hadn't. So you go in this huge room. It's like a big auditorium and you're, you know, there's everybody's there, all your friends, your family. Okay. So you're in a big room and, and um, this is your wedding day. And so you proceed to this ceremony that's extremely confusing to a first-timer. Like, you really don't understand anything. But I remember uh, going, and um, now this was my first experience, but just think if this was your wedding day, that they have you take, uh, at that time, they were blood oaths. And you're like, well, what do you mean by that, Right. No, like literal blood oaths. Like you, you promise, you make a series of promises. And um, as part of the ceremony, each time you, it's the, they're like stages and they have representation of your worthiness and what you're going to do. But I remember the first time I did the blood oaths. Now, this is my, if it, if it was my wedding day and I, and I was a female and I hadn't been through the temple, which is extremely common, this is what they do on their wedding day. And it's you, you like literally bring your arm to a square and they have you repeat, uh, that you make these series of promises and then they, you agree to penalties. If you break the promise, what's, what's the penalty? The penalty is like on the first one, you actually take your hand and you motion and you slit your throat from ear to ear. And uh, you agree to have your throat slit and your tongue, like, pulled yes. out of you. I think is I, I don't remember the exact wording, but it's your your torn your tongue is torn, hmm. and your throat is slit from ear to ear. Jeez. That is the penalty if you break the first covenant that you make. Which is what? Um, <laughs> Do you remember what the... What, I don't remember, were but... Were you promising in uh, that moment? You, uh, okay, I'll, I'll just read it to you. I'm glad <laughs> yeah. you asked. Now, now this is where, like, you know, you realize that uh, by even talking about these things, that I'm, I'm like, literally a son of Satan to them. So... <laughs> <laughs> Not to <Yeah>. us. <laughs> it says, yeah. we... This is what I did. Like, we and each of us covenant and promise that we will not reveal any of the secrets... Now, that's their word, not my word. Secrets of this, the first token of the Aaronic Priesthood, with its accompanying name, sign, 
and penalty. Should we do so, we agree that our throats will be cut from ear to ear and our tongues torn out by our roots. As part of the ritual, each individual participant draws his right hand, palm down, up to his left ear with the thumb extended and draws his right hand quickly across the throat to his right ear, motioning the slitting of one's throat and having one's tongue ripped out by its roots as a penalty for breach. Wow. Yeah. That is, so that I, sounds demonic. So I'm sitting there. <laughs> dark. Yeah. Here's the problem, though. The first time I did it, I looked around, and who's, who's standing next to you? Your brothers, your yeah. parents, your friends. Right. Now, if this is your wedding day. And you're doing that publicly? Oh, yeah. Whoa. Like, everybody does it. <laughs> wow. You have the entire thousand people in the room are all doing this, like, almost like robots. Oh, doing it together. Yes, but it's wow. an individual thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're taking the covenant and the penalty individually, but you're in a room with a thousand people, and they're all doing it at the exact same time. Oh Does gosh. everyone from the churches come to your wedding? A thousand people, that's well, a Well, no, it's, other people are getting married that day, so there's just multiple oh. people. And so oh. I have probably had maybe 40 or 50 people people that day at the most so they'll have multiple weddings in yes. the same sessions yeah. kind of well you go into different rooms and okay. get married but this is the what they call the general session or the right. general assembly area mm. and this is where you do these things and wow. you know why is that why do you think they have you're looking around and there's all these people doing the exact same thing it's peer pressure yeah. i mean think of it you're a female are you are you gonna guess what they, they say it's optional. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to. But what's the reality? Uh, uh, if I don't do this, I'm not getting married today. Wow. <laughs> All the wedding invitations have been sent. You know, the parties, the parties tonight, right? So who's going to say no on their wedding day? So you just kind of go along with it. In my yeah. case, I looked around and saw, well, yeah, my brothers are doing this. Uh, my, my bishop's here. He, he, this must be okay. I guess I just don't understand because that's how they couch it. Oh, there's so much symbolism. You just don't, you, you got to pray that you understand. Well, I didn't understand any of it. That's not the first one. There's several you do. Like so the, much symbolism. Of the, the next one <laughs> is getting your throat. Here's, here's the penalty of the second one. We agree to have our breasts cut open and our hearts and our vitals torn out from our bodies and given to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And this is something that everybody says Everybody together. does, yes. That is... If you're... It, back wow. then, now, uh, if you were worthy, you did this. Right. And not, you don't just do it once. Every time you go, it's the same exact rituals. You go, and mm. this is every time you go into the temple. Every which single is time. How frequently would uh you you should be going once a month to be Oh wow. Worthy. Yeah. So like you get to the point where you almost have this stuff memorized. And you're just wow. saying this over and over and over, over again. Over and over. <clears throat> every that, time I went. Wow. And yeah. that I imagine has an impact on you on the way that you think on even I know I'm having conversations with you you've asked how did I even get to the point where I was okay with doing that. How do I get to the point where number three, should we do so? This is the third penalty. We agree that our bodies be cut asunder in the midst 
and that all our bowels gush out. (laughs) (laughs) And you're making this this promise in front of everybody. Yes. And you're raising your right hand. And and you're saying this out loud. Yes. Well, they repeat it, but then they say, well, raise your right hand, bow your head, and say yes, basically, that you agree to this. Wow. Yeah. And so to... Circling back to the first thing that you saw on TV, the documentary of the two brothers slit their throat, slit the throat of their sister. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were instituting this, this was, penalties. This they coming back they, to this. Yeah, and wow. that's why it was so traumatic for me because I instantly thought of the temple ceremony when I heard right. his interview. And I was wow. like, well, wait a minute. The, and that's what his story was about. What kind of culture would have two brothers decide to slit the throat of the sister, right? Wow. Because she was questioning, and, and I mean, go watch the documentary. It's fascinating. It's just out right now. Yeah, but, I, haven't, I haven't seen but it. But John Krakauer wrote a book called Under the Banner of Heaven. That's the book that I ended up reading. That's, mm-hmm. you know, I started learning all this. Um, well, I knew the temple stuff, but I didn't know the history and the culture of Mormonism. Yeah. And, and yeah. My own history of my religion that I so dearly loved that I willingly went to Honduras for yeah and and preached you know the the, yeah. the only true gospel right this is the only true gospel they claim and so you know th- i remember the first day i looked around in that temple and i was doing this thing and i just had this weird feeling inside of me if i'm being truthful yeah. right being authentic that was weird but i suppressed those emotions because i wanted it to be true i wanted yeah. I wanted it all, right? Because yeah. that was my way of life. It had to be true. I was always told this is truth. This is truth. This yeah. is truth. And that was before. I mean, you didn't do that stuff uh, before you went on your mission. Oh, yeah, you do. Oh, you do it before you go on the mission. Yeah. Okay. You do it once. <laughs> and then they send you off on this two-year mission, and you're like, well, that was weird, but ah, I'll just. At least I'm in Honduras. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just go on my mission. And, yeah. and it's when you. The missionary field indoctrinates you. It, it's it's where you get your training. Uh, mm. First of all, they're the greatest salesmen. I mean, you can knock on every door, and you can you really learn to take rejection well. Yeah. <laughs> right. So imagine that. But um, you go, and that's you know they all wear the same thing: white shirt, dark pants, have the name tag. You always have a companion. It's it's if you study anything about religious cults, it fits like almost nearly identical every single category Mm. if you take the 15 categories of of cults um and it's all about and you said it before daryl it's control Mm. it's all about control um that in in mormonism it's you know if you go to that fast and testimony meeting it goes you know a typical testimony will be that they'll start off just like this it's i'm like this is so fun to do. Go to a Mormon uh, uh, fast and testimony meeting and do subjects like on a little piece of paper. I used to do this for fun. Okay, they're going to talk about Joseph Smith, the church being true, there's a prophet today, the Book of Mormon is true. And you just start tallying like each person what they say, and you see which category gets the most. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it's, it's always just those a, things. Yeah. So it's, it's not really, it's, yeah. It's always the same thing. But, and well, we can talk another day what, what we're really missing there. But in that case, it's the church is true. Notice it's the church that's true. Right. 
right? It's the church has the ordinances that saves you. Without those ordinances, sorry, Daryl, Aaron, you are not going to make it because you didn't do the ordinances. You don't know the secret handshakes that I do. I I know the secret handshakes. <laughs> you guys don't, okay? And I and there's sure. legitimately four secret handshakes. There's four secret handshakes to get into heaven. Yeah. And they go along with these penalties, and just by me talking about mm-hmm. it, you know, yeah. I'm subject to the penalties. Wow. And then, like, um, I was asked, well, do they actually do that? Like, slit people's throats? Well, why do they have you do the oath? Why would you even do it then? Why did the Lafferty brothers slit the throat of their sister? I mean, yeah, they'll say, well, they were, you know, they were not, they were not, faithful member that's outside the teaching well the problem is the teaching is fundamental and people take it as as literal Hmm. and and so these two guys slit the throat and so he wrote a book on it Mm -hmm. and and yeah scary stuff and what think about what that does to your mental okay so getting back to your wedding day who's gonna say no when there's a thousand people in a room and it's your and, and your your hut your your like fiance is, is like you can look over and see him, and he's doing it. How, right. How, I, okay, just you go along. I guess with it's just peer pressure. This. Yeah, and then you do it so much it just becomes routine, and then it's right. like, then if you start questioning, it's like, well, no, you just you, you need to you know pray that you'll understand better. You just don't understand yet. Okay, well, who's going to explain it to me? Because this is some wild, right. crazy yeah. stuff. Who's going to help me understand? Why can't the, you help yeah. me understand? Exactly. Oh, yeah. But yeah. nobody can. Right? Yeah. And you're not allowed to talk about it outside the temple. So who are you going to ask? Oh, we can't talk about that. It's sacred, they say. Right, yeah. Well, no, it's actually secret, not sacred. Hmm. But, but they, they have the, they've coined that term. Hmm. Sacred, so you think it's special, mm-hmm. so you won't question yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's scary. And then what that does to you mentally. Yeah. And for me personally, like, um, after I'd left Mormonism, I was like, how did I allow myself to do those things? Mm. Like you start questioning your, in my case, I, I began to question my ability to even understand anything truth what truth is because I'm like, well, if, if I could do this stuff, man, what, mm. you know? And so then, then it's like, well, how did the Jonestown people end up committing, you know, mass suicide? And what is the Jonestown people? That's the Kool-Aid stuff. Basically. Drinking oh, the Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. So, uh, but that's just an example. You have cults right. all over and they're, um, it, you said it, Daryl, was about control. And so when we put our control in, when we give up our control to man or an organization, religion, uh, that it, it can become dangerous. Yeah. So, you know, I've got a lot, all my, all my closest friends are Christian, right? But they, they have a hard time understanding why I'm like, no, <laughs> right. I'm not going to join this organization or that. Even when I was leaving Mormonism, I, I looked for a church. I looked, for, I mean, I had wife and three kids I was raising. It's like, okay, we're leaving Mormonism, but what else is there? Right. And so, yeah. And so you were okay with 
you walked away from the Mormon church, but you still had something that thought it would be good to be part of I believed in God. A church. Right. Okay. I just didn't no longer believe that Joseph Smith was going to stand at the entrance and I had to give secret handshakes to the angels to get in. I didn't believe that anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I gave that up, but no, I didn't want to give up believing in God. Right. Yeah. But eventually you did. I right? did. Yeah. <laughs> so when you, after you left the Mormon church and you went to, and I'm sure there's more even to talk about yeah. what happened in the Mormon church, but then you went to the a Christian church. You found a Christian church. I went to many. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I started like, they call them church hoppers, I guess. I was looking for something and I settled. I, I've got lots of friends, so I, I don't want to say the church, but I, I started going to a church regularly that drew me in. I, I felt I was being drawn into it. And um, I, if I'm being authentic, I, I don't know if I was just looking for a replacement mm. for Mormonism, but Probably, yeah. I, I yeah. needed something for my family that was starting to fall apart. Hmm. And I don't know. I think I was looking for that security that a church, work, Can, going to a church offers. Even like what you had when you were a little kid, whenever your mom was a single mom. Yeah, and yeah. That coming into Mormonism, the Mormon church and bringing... It's the, not all bad. <laughs> talking about horrible parts but there is you know they talk a lot about family unit Mm -hmm. and some some beautiful things that are extremely attractive i mean it's super easy to convert somebody to mormonism like i could do it very easily you want me to try (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay let's try for a minute well you're married daryl so i'm gonna work on you So, Daryl, you love Brittany, right? Yeah, I do. I mean, wouldn't you want to live with her forever? Yeah. You know you can. You can, but you have to be married by the right priesthood of God. And if you are, you're promised eternal marriage. And Christianity doesn't offer that, right? Because it's death to your you're, it's, you're married to You're not death. married at all. <laughs> right. So let's let's take that and flip it 180 and let's say, well, Daryl, you want to be with Brittany forever, don't you? And you're like, yeah, who wouldn't, right? Right, right. And so you're already, your mindset's, I'm going to agree with this. Like, this sounds good. And all Right, it sounds great. And, and you know what? Christianity doesn't offer that. So this is appealing. And that's the family unit's. They have a little saying, families are forever. And it's on, you know, if you walk into any Mormon home, it's stitched on this picture that's on the wall. And next to it will be the temple. And it will be probably a picture of the family all dressed in white. And that's not just a cute saying. It's actually literally families being together yes. forever. And it's eternity. such a beautiful yeah. thought, right? And so it's very appealing. So, you know, that's the lesson the Mormon missionaries give you when they show up. They don't tell you about the temple. Right. right, and they don't tell you about all these other teachings. You don't give them the meat before the milk. Mm. Give them milk first. Cold. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they'll they'll use things to uh, that appeal to us as humans, right? And that you know, who doesn't love their spouse and doesn't want to be married to them? Well, a lot of people don't. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah. you know, yeah. I oh, was wait, thinking that no. might not work on some people. They're like, right? I no know way. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to the death. Yeah, I'm actually very looking forward to death to a spot. Right. But for me, that was appealing, right? And, yeah. and and when you're taught that, all you know, since you're a little kid and you're singing little songs in church about families are forever, wow, 
right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not giving that up. I'm not giving up that. Yeah. And so it's hard. So the, yeah, they use um, things to appeal. But uh, for me, I started uh, I started looking for another church um, to replace Mormonism. And your wife was okay with that. Yeah, because she was Mormon too. She was, and we, she was, you know, faithful Mormon. Uh, we went to the temple all the time. You know, like any more. The truth is, Mormons, their marriages are just as broken as anybody else. They just mm. don't admit it. But mm. yeah, you're, you you fight, you argue, you, you know, all. Can can women teach? Uh, n- yeah. Uh, well. Yes and no. <laughs> women can teach uh, women classes, but women can't have the priesthood, and that's mm. the difference. Uh, it is a very male-dominated church, and it's ran by men. And the reality is, you as a female, you can't be saved uh, without your husband because he's much. in the priesthood, uh, and yeah. you have to get married. Well, it, into well, it's more than that, and then we'll go to symbolic of the temple. Part of the ceremony is they have this big white curtain that goes across the entire room, and it represents the veil uh, before you enter God's kingdom. And okay. on the other side is God. Okay, and so they have a man who stands on the other side, who represents God, and you're going to enter His kingdom. And they have these. It's a big. Think of it of a big like sheet that probably goes up floor to ceiling and it's crossed the entire auditorium and they you can probably have 30 or 40 people at it at once and they you they do do it this way actually you come down to the front as part of the ceremony and if you're male you go first there's symbolism in this so think of the symbolism you go through and when you're standing at the veil guess what you have to give Four handshakes. The four handshakes. (laughs) And you have to give the names, and uh, you have to do it word for word exactly correct. And if you don't do it exactly correct, they correct you, and they make you repeat it until it is correct. You don't pass through. The handshakes have to be exactly right. The names have to be given exactly right. But if you can do that, and you go enough where you memorize it, oh, yeah, this is I, I got this down. So... The problem is when you go through, now you're in God's kingdom and your wife then comes to the veil and she has to give them to you and you pass through that way. You call her into heaven. So Uh, mm. marriage is very important to Mormons. Yeah. And um, can you you be saved if you're not married? God will provide in the afterlife. That's the idea. Uh, yeah. I, the marriage is to be a, a God, you have to be married. And you can be married to multiple wives in heaven. So like Joseph Smith was. Okay. And Brigham Young. Brigham Young had 55 wives. Wow. <laughs> Busy guy. <laughs> 55. Jeez. I can't handle one. Right? <laughs> That's how he started the university. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's Jeez. reasons. They, they have reasons for it. They, they teach that God put this... Uh, polygamy to rise up, to raise up a, a generation quickly uh, to establish his his church now. Mm-hmm. Joseph Smith established uh, the church, uh, which they will teach is a the original church set up by Jesus, but everybody got it wrong, and it's called the apostasy. And then the priesthood was taken from the earth. They say, and it's the priesthood that Peter, James, and John had. 
they claim. And then they claim Peter, James, and John appeared to Joseph Smith, another vision, Hmm. and gave him the priesthood. So that's how the Mormon church claims they have the true and only priesthood. Right. And you guys don't have it. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And so from within the Mormon church, any other declarative faith that follows Jesus has it wrong. Yes. And does not have the whole picture. The teaching that I learned, and I say it because I don't know if they still teach it, but every church is an abomination before God, except for the Mormon church. But that doesn't sit very well, does it, <laughs> with people? So they, they kind of back away. But if you go read the, you know, the, the writings of the prophets, I mean, they teach this stuff about blacks, and they teach it about polygamy, and they teach it about... Um, these aren't things I'm making up, but they've buried, they've whitewashed their history. They, you know, uh, somebody told me that now their lesson manuals talks about Brigham Young, but only having, they don't say he had multiple wives. They just talk about him being married to one wife. Hmm. Well, that's, that's deceptive in my mind, right? Deception. So, um, Hmm. but yeah, Joseph Smith was married to, I I can't, I don't, I'm going to get the number wrong, so I'm not going to guess, but there were, you know, as young as 14. Uh, wow. Sister and mother combos. and yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. So maybe before, because I'm, I'm guessing we're going to have a part two on this guy. <laughs> we're an hour and a half in here. Are we really? We're an hour and a half in. <laughs> we're just scratching the surface. We're, I know. We're just scratching the surface. Um, maybe to just talk a little bit about the disillusionment. So yeah. we've talked a lot about mm-hmm. Mormonism. I know that you had a, a stint of maybe Christianity uh, after that that brought about more, more church hurt. More, more disillusionment. More disillusionment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but to, just to talk about, you know, where you were at, and then in the next part, maybe we can we can chat about your journey back sure. to yeah back to faith and back to god and uh i i am i still have mormon friends and i love them dearly and you know what i'm saying hurts them i get that but what they don't understand is the hurt i've gone through Hmm. right yeah that this church that they so claim is truth and that they love so much that i did claim was true and that i loved and still do love in many regards but the pain it brought is Hmm is unbelievable the mental anguish um the second guessing when you start realizing that the stuff i've been learning is just can't be true like Mm. not logically it can't and then you start i mean we can pick apart theology logically if we want but that's not the point of this the point is when you realize there's a problem the psychological impact on you is enormous. And that's, uh, I struggled. As I, in fact, I ended up losing my faith in God completely as a result of it, which, um, you know, church hurt has different you, terminologies, um, but I, I, I think it's bigger than just getting offended by a pastor and somebody leaving an organization. Mm-hmm. In my case, I wasn't offended. Um, I learned things that, didn't sit well and then when i did leave i lost everything the culture um all my friends you know even family members um telling me i was had the devil in me (laughs) yeah yeah but um and that's got to have a psychological impact on you it did at the time yeah we're we're close now we talk 
all the time. But at the time, it was very difficult for me because right. I was going through it. Right. Um, and, and, okay, so you have the person who gets offended or their pastor didn't do something they thought they should have. Okay, and they, you know, they get offended and leave versus somebody, you know, a little more extreme gives up their faith. Uh, and even more extreme then, you have uh, people who go through just horrible anxiety and depression. And mm-hmm. some people even think there's no better alternative and they end up committing suicide. I mean, it happens over church, mm-hmm. um, which is the extreme case of somebody who's been traumatized. Who would do that? You say, well, if you have a church that teaches there's no hope for you, let's say you uh, have homosexuality issues, mm-hmm. right? And your church like teaches you, you have no chance hmm. uh, for salvation. Uh, that's a fle- you know that might be a flesh we would say that's you know satisfying the flesh maybe right but that in that church um, there's BYU is flooded with people who are homosexual and the church has a big problem on their hands because they ostracize you rather than welcome you hmm. and they say no 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 but um, the reality is if you were if you were struggling with that you might think there's no there's no hope there's no alternative and so the suicide rate among teens in utah is is high there's Mm. a reason for it because they have no hope they have no alternative and so that's the psychological damage an organization it's extreme it goes from yeah just being offended and walking out or finding a new church to somebody who decides there's no other alternative and they take their life which is just the worst uh, struggle I can imagine, yeah, right, yeah. for somebody. So um, it's damaging um, for me personally. I, when I looked around I, at Christianity, you brought up here, and it's mm-hmm. like I was, you know, finding doctrinal issues with with things people were teaching me, like um, you know, I'm going to burn in hell if I don't pay tithing. Well, okay, that's is that really the Christian teaching, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. that's what I was hearing, not Mormons teach that, but that's what I was also hearing at some churches I was going right. to. Um, I heard things like, we have the truth, it's our church only. That ha-. These are Christian churches in hmm. mainstream Christianity, and the preacher's saying, no, this is, we have the truth, and, and you know, there's other churches around here don't have it. Well, that's an we versus them mentality it separates and that's to me was a red flag and so does god create people for destruction that's tough that's tough when i heard that from the pulpit so for me i rejected and then i lost my complete faith in god as a result i'm like okay if this i tried mormonism for too long now this isn't sitting well and, and then boom i lost it and I've lived the last 15, 20 years not believing in God. Yeah. Not only did I not believe in it, like I went and found arguments like to really support God doesn't exist. Yeah. Because I, I'm an, I was an auditor. I had to, I'm not just going to not believe, I'm going to go prove it now. Right. So I did. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I would, I was, I would be extreme. Like I'd go and hear 
a pastor give a give a sermon and then I would go transcribe it and write 40 pages why he is wrong. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah, I had a good close friend hand me a CD and he knows who he is. <laughs> if he ever, he'll probably listen to this. But he handed me a CD and it was of a an Easter passage and I listened to it and I'm like, okay, this does this I can't just let this go. It requires a response. So I transcribed it and I wrote paragraph by paragraph, 40 pages, why that pastor was wrong. And I handed it back to him. I said, well, I listened to your CD. Now you listen to my, you read my writing. <laughs> I was like, all right. So yeah, I didn't believe. And I lost my faith completely. And yeah. that, okay, what's the damage of that? Wow, that changes your worldview. Mm-hmm. It changes your worldview. And so, at least, yeah. Hmm. I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. 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 This isn't, you know, this isn't a bash on Mormonism today. It's, it's more um, the psychological damage that right. organizations can do. Mormons aren't alone in this. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean. This right. is part of a, uh, yeah. I mean, there's stuff in our history. There's stuff in <laughs> right. what we've yeah. done. There's stuff. There's ways that we've operated in our own church that have, you know, or that people have operated in our church that have been very similar or operated out of control or, you know, or have said things um, to people that are just like, what are you doing? You know, where, and so it's, yeah, I don't think it's a bash more. I'm interested in Mormonism because I've only ever read about it. I haven't met somebody who's a part of it, but, um, but I think really, yeah, what we're trying to get to the bottom of is, man, what what are we what are we doing as as organizations or as faith communities um, to really love on people and mitigate some of this stuff, you know? And and then and then I, I love I love our place because I think that the questions are open, you know, right. like because yeah. people yeah. experience hurt when they have questions something comes up or they hear something and like that doesn't make sense or mm-hmm. they discover something or hear something and then they're they're f- the fundamentals of what they were standing on seem to be questioned and then they go ask somebody that they feel like they trust or a pastor mm-hmm. or a friend who's another christian and oftentimes too many than it, more more than it should be the response is just have faith yeah or just pray you know, you're depressed, just pray about it, you know, and well, the depression will go away. And like these these out-of-the-box responses that don't actually help the person come to a point of resolving the mm, questions that they had or yeah. come to the point of being able to reconcile, what is this, why is this seem like, like it's this way, but you said this or I heard this or this happened and this doesn't make sense. People get have that hurt because they're rejected you yeah. know and well, left Mormon, me alone it, Mormonism is not the only church that booted me <laughs> I've gone to <laughs> Christian churches and basically been asked not to come back because I asked too many questions wow right yeah and so that that's been part of my journey that we haven't delved we'll probably delve into we'll delve next in, time yeah. But, yeah but yeah so it is it's not limited to a single organization mm-hmm. and and that they mean well, but I think it's mm-hmm. uh, having our own faith challenged is what it should be strengthened. Yeah, and um, I think if you're not solid in your faith, then when you get challenged, it makes you feel uncomfortable. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, you know, the truth will stand on its own. Yeah. That's the mm-hmm. way I look at it. And mm-hmm. so, you, you kind of have to let it, everything else, I'm sure after that, <clears throat> after that experience or all these experiences, I know you said, how do you even trust yourself? I got duped. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like I've been a part of this for so long. And then this is what we talked about with Rachel in one of our previous episodes was mm-hmm. too, is she let go of everything, you yeah. know? It's like even the f- most fundamental beliefs, it's like, I mean, you went to the point of God doesn't exist, maybe, <laughs> right. you know? Like, no, I did. Yeah. yeah. and I had to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, she was like, God, maybe God's not good. Maybe, you know what I mean? Right. She said, like, I have no idea because you kind of have to hold those things and just be like, right. I don't know, you know? <laughs> I still have some carrots we haven't talked about, but for me, God was a monster that deserved the very hell I was being condemned to. Hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, maybe that's a nugget for and that's, episode that's two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, if yeah. we have time today, we'll keep going. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it, I had to tear everything down, every single teaching and just let it go because I didn't know what was right anymore. Like wh- what is truth? Right. I mean, Pilate was asked, what is truth? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, the story goes, Jesus didn't answer that question. There's a reason. Mm-hmm. Right. He wasn't he couldn't handle the, what the truth would have been. But, um, yeah, I've had to ask that. What is truth and what down to the basic level does God even exist? Who is God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. If he does exist mm-hmm. and those going from being a Mormon missionary to questioning who is God that the whole process was a mental mm-hmm. anguish that just, it's taken me years. I'm in 54. Yeah. yeah. Still haven't figured out who God is, but I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. I never will, but I'm just glad I'm not going to become a God. <laughs> it's, too, yeah. it's too complicated. Yeah. Right. Too much responsibility. Too much responsibility. <laughs> I thought that's what I wanted, but that is not what I wanted. No, right. So, yeah. 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 Well, I'm excited to talk more, yeah. but um, I'm also thinking about editing this video and I don't want to edit a three hour video. Um, so maybe in ha- in chunks. Um, but, but yeah, I think next time we'll get into some more uh, maybe details of the healing, yeah, the healing journey that, that I know you're still on, but some of those things as they, as they came about, what, yeah. what you had to um, reconstruct after yeah. the deconstruction, yeah. you know, and um, how that came about. Um, would love to hear about, you know, your wife and, and how that all happened. And maybe if that's a part of the it faith is. journey. She and, is a part of my journey for yeah. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would love question. to hear about that stuff. But but thank you for this. No, yeah. yeah, for spending almost two hours with us. It didn't seem out. like two hours. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. But, thanks for that. Yeah. And um, yeah. All of our boggies out there, um, yeah, be looking out for part two with uh, Chris I, I've, Anderson. I, I've got some carrots we haven't talked about, so yeah. uh, I'm going to save them for next some time. Some nuggets, okay. No, they're yeah. more than nuggets, but yeah. yeah. Some carrots. Yeah. I like that. I okay. got to return I didn't it. know if you meant whether orange carrots or actual carrots, like diamond carrots. Well, I think they're diamonds. Okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we love you guys. Make yeah. sure to follow us on all platforms, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes even TikTok get on there um, and we'll see you next time on Your Brain on God peace out